are doing a pastor exchange. I think they call it a pulpit exchange. Pastor Jim is at this moment at Freedom Fellowship Church in Kaukauna, and we are pleased to have Pastor Landon Churchill here today, and he is going to come up and, uh, and preach for us in our church today. I hear he's cheaper than Pastor Jim. I think we're ahead of the game here. good to be with you. I love uh, this church family. One of the things I get to do with Pastor Jim, is the mic on? It's, you guys can hear me. Oh, praise God. <laughs> That's good. I get to pray with Pastor Jim on Tuesday mornings, and it's so cool being able to pray for you guys and what God's doing here at Whiting. I don't know if you guys know this or not. <clears throat> How many churches are there in the world? Anybody want to take a guess? Six million? Anybody want to take a guess? How many churches? Okay. I want you guys to raise your hand if you like the word of God here at Whiting. You love the word of God. That is awesome. The Bible tells us that there's one church. You guys ever think about that? There is really only one church. All those who have ever called on the name of Jesus Christ is a part of that church. And let me tell you what, that is one big church. Think about all our brothers and sisters all around the world today who have gathered together to worship the King of Kings. That is a beautiful thing. And just think about the day when we're finally home. You guys know we're just passing through, right? This isn't our home. <laughs> One day we will be in heaven with God, with all of that heavenly host worshiping the Lord. And you think about all those who have believed in times past. And we don't know if the Lord's coming back anytime soon. Okay, does everybody know the day or the hour of the Lord's return? I don't know. I'm so glad he waited for me. Aren't you guys glad? You know, but it's weird. God, I'm so glad you waited for me. But at the same time, I, I want you to come back quickly, Lord. But aren't you glad that he's long-suffering, desiring none to perish? That's the heart of our God. And that's what I want to talk with you guys about this morning is really God's plan for redemption salvation. I know we live in a world today that wants nothing to do with a Savior. Okay, you eternal God, this whole Christianity business of God internally living within his people, the church, we don't like that because we want our own thing. We want to do our own thing. And you guys know that man's thing doesn't work too well? Or am I the only one that has seen that? <laughs> okay, cool. Um, I want you guys to turn in your Bibles this morning to 2 Timothy We'll be camping on verse 15 of chapter 2 together this morning. Oh, I forgot. We can go back real quick. I had a picture up there. That's my family um, and my dog. Um, how many of you guys like to pray? Pray for my relationship with my dog. <laughs> I would appreciate that. The rest of the family loves my dog. <laughs> uh, my wife, Sunny, we're going to be married for 20 years next month which I've been totally blessed. Jim and I, all at Lisa, we always joke how we married up. <laughs> we really did. And then my oldest is on the right. That's Uriah Josiah. He's going to be in high school next year. My middle guy is Phineas Aaron. He's in the back. And my youngest is the most disobedient child upon the planet. Her name is Shalom Karis. And I have told her since she was about yay high, 
you need to listen to daddy and obey. Stop growing. The girl will not stop. I don't know how many times I've told her. She just does not listen. <laughs> so that's my, well, actually, that's just a picture of my family. Um, but we can go on. Second Timothy. How many of you guys are familiar with the scripture? Study to show thyself approved to God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I want to dive into this a little bit with you guys this morning, okay? Because there is something that we are called to do in God's word, and that's called to study the word. And I know that's something that Pastor Jim has been telling you guys probably every week he gets up to preach God's word. is hey, reading it isn't enough. We're called to study it. Show yourself approved to God. You guys know that it's not just pastor's gym job <laughs> to rightly divide the word, to be studying it. We as believers, especially here, how many of us have a Bible in our hand? What a privilege. There are brothers and sisters in the world today that can't even read. And how they long to be able to know what God has spoken. How many brothers and sisters in the world would give their life just to get a hold of this book. We are most blessed. And God has exhorted us in his word to be those who study it. Because when we study it, guys, we're going to show ourselves approved to God. And one of the things I want to lay out this morning, this is the reason why I want to go here today with you guys, is I know many brothers and sisters in Christ, believers, when it comes to the word of God, they're often embarrassed. The reason why they're embarrassed about the word of God is because they haven't rightly divided it. You guys know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about brothers and sisters that really love the Lord deeply. But hey, I have a question, Christian. <laughs> you believe in the Bible. How can this God that you say you follow and you say is loving, how would he tell the children of Israel to go and utterly destroy every Canaanite person, entire people group, to wipe them out. Why would your God say to do that in the Bible? You guys see why maybe people get embarrassed once in a while? Oh, not of all of the scriptures. Much of it, yes. But there's sometimes we have a hard time. What do we do with that? How could a God who is loving allow this to happen? Why are these wars going on? Why did they get cancer? Has anyone ever asked you, hey, why does God talk about slavery in the Bible? Why is God okay with slavery? What's up with that? You guys see where we can be embarrassed sometimes of the scriptures? But I want to encourage you, if we're doing the word of God, studying it, rightly dividing it, what does it say? There's no need to be ashamed. We don't need to be embarrassed. Because if we're rightly dividing the word, guys, there are answers. There is clarity. We don't have to be embarrassed. We have truth to share with people. So in our time together this morning, I want to talk with you guys, um, not just theologically. Because a lot of times we can approach the word of God and just, hey, what does theology teach about this and that? Let's dive in deep. You know, tear, you know, pull out every aspect of this doctrine. You guys know that this book is also a history book? It's a history book. It's his story. 
God's story about how he's going to redeem mankind. How he is going to save the human race. And we see throughout history, God doing that at different times in different ways. So what I want you guys to do with me this morning is put on your thinking caps, okay? I had a grade school teacher who told us that all the time. Time to think. We need to engage. And that's one thing we have to do when we study the Word of God. We actually have to ask the questions. Pastor Jim loves inductive Bible study. And isn't one of the parts of good inductive study of the Scripture is asking a lot of good questions? Yeah. And then going back to the Scriptures, even though it's one book, there's actually 66 different books in here. And we can go and we can look for those answers. So this morning, guys, I want to speak to you on the lines of what God has done throughout history and how he has worked. We're going to cover the entire Bible in the next half an hour. You guys down for that? Does that sound good? Okay. We're going to be taking a look at history, um, and we're going to be considering what the Bible calls dispensations. How many of you guys have heard that word before? Dispensation. You may be like, hey, that's ringing a bell, because I've read the book of Ephesians. And the Apostle Paul, who's my hero, by the way, I love the Apostle Paul, okay, uh, he was a man who was called to do what? Bring the gospel to the Gentile world. That was his calling from God. And he referred to it as the ministry of the gospel of grace. And he said it was a dispensation. At this time in history, God was working in a way to bring the good news to mankind that we are saved by grace. And aren't you guys glad that we are saved by grace? Because if it was based upon what I could do, <laughs> man... I, I fail miserably, daily. I'm, I can't do it. And praise the Lord. He loves us the way he does. So, I want to look at the first dispensation that we find in the Bible. And that would be called the Age of Innocence. So, let's pull that up here. We're going to look at the first one. There's going to be eight that we're going to look at today. You guys know that created, God created? Once God created, <clears throat> what did man do in the garden? Did they do what they were supposed to do? Okay. God gave them the perfect environment, right? Garden of Eden. I can't wait because there's prophecies speaking about when Jesus returns, things are going to be made like the garden again. I look forward to that day. But in the garden, guys, God had given them everything, right? Hey, it's all yours. There's not even sin here. You guys can have the perfect environment, paradise for yourselves. And you guys can eat of any tree you want, okay? I don't know about you guys, but strawberries are in season right now somewhere because I got some from the grocery store. I'm like, well, they're good again, you know? How much better was the fruit in the Garden of Eden, right? So good. You could eat from any one of those good trees. But because I love you, God said, Adam and Eve, there's a tree, just one, amongst all. Just one, don't partake of that tree, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Why would God do that? Why would he even give man an opportunity to disobey his word? You guys know that love demands a choice. God forced Adam and Eve, hey, you're just going to be here with me in paradise and you have to have a relationship with me. That kind of sounds like rape. 
wait, I have no choice in this relationship. You're forcing this relationship upon me. That's not God because we're told in Scripture God is love. Love always demands a choice. What did Adam and Eve choose to do? They chose to unchoose God. They are going to partake of the tree of Result of that, <clears throat> the fall came. As a result of the fall, things fell apart. Now, we're going to rightly divide the word of truth. Is it pretty important that you and I, when we are looking at what it tells us there about God making everything good, does that still apply today? No, because there's been a fall. A curse has come, correct. Okay, I did jail ministry. I was the chaplain for our county for five years. I'm still involved with the ministry up there. You guys want to know what the number one verse is that all the inmates knew up there? Almost all of them knew that, even if they never went to church. They knew this one verse. Anybody want to guess what the one verse is that they knew? John 3.16, no, that was not it. God made the herbs of the field and saw that they were good. <laughs> That's the verse they knew. Therefore, hey, Chaplain, is it bad or is it okay because God made it? Seriously, I don't know how many conversations I had about that. Like, you wanted to see this chaplain to have that conversation? <laughs> really? Whether or not marijuana is okay. But the problem is, guys, if we're not rightly dividing the word of God, we're going to be embarrassed and ashamed, wouldn't we? Well, <laughs> I guess you are right because the Bible does say God made Everything and all of it, we're told, is good. I guess that would include marijuana. What do I do with that? I've, uh, I'm embarrassed. I don't know. But if we've rightly divided the word, what do we know? The fall happened, right? That doesn't make sense anymore. It's called weed for a reason. That's a part of the curse. You guys get where I'm going with this? Why, when we rightly divide the word of truth, we don't need to be ashamed because we have rightly divided. And that word divide there in the Greek is a surgical term. It's actually to cut straight. So when we approach the scriptures and we consider how God has worked with mankind throughout the ages, it's kind of like a play. How many of you guys enjoy going to see a good play? You have act one, act two, act three. And it's kind of fun because as you're watching this play, you see how it's, evolving right it's like oh here, here's a basis okay this happened and what we see in the first act regarding god and mankind's salvation the redemption of mankind is that man couldn't do it even in the perfect environment okay some of you guys have been to college you probably studied a man by the name of bf skinner how many of you guys are familiar with him handful of you guys he's a guy which the world has really embraced because, hey, if we just had the right environment, if the things around us were better or put in place rightly, then we would be able to thrive. We could save ourselves. We could do good. Well, I love the Bible because the Bible shows us, no, we can't. Because if Adam and Eve had everything as perfect as it could be, they still fell. Guess what, Mr. B.F. Skinner? You're wrong. We're not a byproduct of our environment. And people use that excuse to this day. 
my mommy took my nookie away too soon, and that's why I'm acting out the way I am today. This is the type of crazy we're living in today. And that's where the word of God can set people free. Like, no, the environment's not the problem. <laughs> we have a sin nature. We, we have pride. We think we know better than God. We don't want to obey his voice. And if you want to roll with that, then hey, go eat whatever mushrooms you want. Oh, one might be poisonous. Exactly. There was the fall. There's the curse. Take that rattlesnake home for a pet. What? You're crazy. Exactly. <laughs> There's a fall. Okay, things have been cursed. We can't live that way. Do you guys see why it's important that we rightly divide the word? Because as we study and people bring up these questions, or you might have these questions yourselves, when we rightly divide these time periods throughout history, it's going to make sense. So as you guys inductively study the scriptures, make sure to have in mind these different dispensations, okay? So we're going to walk through the rest a little quicker than the first one, which the second one brings us to conscience. Because after the fall, we can read in Genesis chapter 4, verse 6, there's a man by the name of Cain. God says to him, hey, Cain, you're to live by your conscience. If you do well, you will live. But if you don't, oh boy, <laughs> you're going to die. Sin's knocking at your door. Its desire is for you. Now we know Cain had a brother. How long did Cain hate his brother? As long as he was able. Bible joke. Pastor Jim, do Bible jokes with you guys? Um, live and let live. Is that a thing today in our society? Right? Just let people do what they think is best. Then we'll be okay. Let people live according to their conscience. But the Bible tells us our conscience has been what? Seared like a hot, with like a hot iron. Our conscience is messed up. Cain, do well and you will live. Oh, he ends up killing his brother because of jealousy, pride. Wow, we can't live by our conscience, guys. It doesn't work because our consciences are seared. Even at the end of this dispensation, because this time, we don't know how long that dispensation was, you know, from when Adam and Eve partook of the tree and then the fall happened, was that like, Five minutes after God spoke it? Was it five years, 500 years? We don't know for sure, okay? But the second dispensation, okay, this was a little over 400 years. And we know in that short amount of time when God said to mankind, you guys, be good. <laughs> Do well. Live according to your conscience, okay? That, guys, ended pretty destructively because at the end of that dispensation, which we see... It goes all the way through uh, chapter 7 there, uh, or sorry, chapter 6. Um, we know that before the flood took place, that the imaginations of man were continually evil. Have you guys read that scripture before? God chose to judge the world. Every single human being, we're told, their mind was so perverse. All they were about was evil. 
That's what happens when man is left to their own conscience. So when we have a world that says, hey, live and let be, you know, let them do whatever they want, well, that's been tested. We see that in the word of God. We can't live according to our conscience. That is not enough because our consciences have been seared. That brings us then to the flood. Oh, real quick side note. What happened right before the flood? You guys remember they tried to build a tower to heaven? The Tower of Babel? Okay. Someone probably has the old King James here this morning. It tells us that they built that tower. It was made out of what? I'm getting ahead of myself. Brick and slime. We're going to go there next. The flood happened. <laughs> and then what happens after the flood? Well, that brings us to the third uh, dispensation, and that's government. Okay? Who is the one who are built the ark? Oh, you guys know a guy too, huh? Awesome. Well, Noah built this ark, okay? And God spoke to Noah, the only righteous dude upon the planet, right? He's the one who found grace in the sight of the Lord. Noah, I want you to govern the people. I'm going to institute a time. You are going to govern yourself and the people. Noah, that's what I'm asking you to do. But the problem was Noah couldn't even govern himself, right? Think about that. What's the first thing we read about after the flood with Noah? is drunk and naked in his tent. What? God just saved this man and his family, <laughs> tells him to govern, and he can't even govern himself. And how many of us put such a hope today in man's salvation that's going to come through our government? If this party just gets in, or this guy or gal, if we elect them, then mankind will be saved. Well, let me tell you what, guys. A lot of kings have come and gone. The world's still kind of a mess, isn't it? Yeah. I'm looking at things going on today, and there is such a hope in government to fix the problems. And I'm, look, I'm looking at what's going on. It's like, how is this even allowed? How can a war like this even take place? Aren't we past that? Okay. We're up in arms right now over law that was passed 50 years ago that should have never been passed because that was just wrong to begin with. How was that even allowed for 50 years? Look at government. We can't even govern ourselves, guys. That's the problem. And that now brings us to the Tower of Babel because I kind of look at the Tower of Babel as kind of like government. There might be good bricks, ideas to put in place, but it's held together, as the King James says, with slime. <laughs> And that's the reality, guys. None of us. We can't even govern ourselves. How are we going to govern people? So does government work? No. And yet we have a whole world today that's placing so much hope, salvation in government. It brings us then to the dispensation number four of promise. How many of you guys have read and studied the life of Abraham before? Abraham was a man that God gave a promise to. You know that he was the one that was given the promise of, hey, I'm going to make you a great nation. A great people are going to come from you. The Messiah, the Savior of the world, is actually going to come through you. That's pretty cool. Even though he and his wife were super old, well, we don't think that's going to, we can't have babies anymore. Well, I'm making you a promise. And was God faithful to his promise? Absolutely. 
But you can jot down Genesis chapter 26. In verse 2 there, God told Abraham, hey, I'm giving you a promise. And we like promises, don't we? You know, hey, we'll make America great again. I mean, there's so many promises here. You join our club and you'll have, you know, weight loss and get in shape real quick. I mean, there's a lot of empty promises out there today. But we like living on promise, don't we? Okay, how many slogans do we see out there with the word hope? Hope this, hope that, hope that, you know? I like church stuff. How many of you guys have heard of like a hope church? There's a bunch of them all over the United States. But there's a truth in that because our only hope really is Jesus. Because all other hopes, what? They fail, don't they? And the problem is God, when he gives us promises, which we know that he is faithful to his promises, all the promises in Christ Jesus are yes and amen, but do we keep the faith? We hold on to the promises. Because Abraham was a man of faith, was he not? Did Abraham keep the faith? Because there in Genesis 26, verse 2, do not go down to Egypt. I want you to dwell in this land. There was a famine in that land. What did Abraham do? He went down to Egypt. He couldn't hold on to the promise of God. So even when we're given promises, guys, that doesn't help man do what they're supposed to do. Not save themselves by holding on to promise, especially when it's an empty promise. Let's move on to the next dispensation that we find. Because after that, law came. You guys are familiar with Moses, the great law giver. He was up there on Mount Sinai. He got the, ten, the big Ten Commandments from the Lord. You guys remember what Moses did when he was coming down from the mountain of God there? He saw the children of Israel doing what? Oh, you're breaking the first commandment. You guys are perversely worshiping an idol. And what does Moses do with the commandments? Breaks them. Tablets broke because man can't keep the law. Aren't we big on laws? You think about how many laws are put into place today. There's so many just in the United States alone Unless you're a super, super speed reader, none of us could even keep up with reading all the new laws that are put into place daily. It's just crazy. Because again, we think if we have the right things in place, if we have the right rules and regulations, then we could do it. Then we could be in a place where we can save ourselves. But as the New Testament teaches us, what was the law for? A schoolmaster. The law teaches us that we can't do it. We are not perfect. We have fallen short. None of us can do it rightly. Well, then we just need more laws in place. No, we're good at breaking laws. We find ways around them, how to break them. That's just in our nature. We can't do it. Law, guys, and that was about 1,600 years, this dispensation. Under law. And they thought they could save themselves. That's a scary thing, guys, because the Bible warns us much about legalism. Have you guys caught that in the scriptures? Look, if you just do this, rules, then you're going to be okay. Then you'll get into heaven. You guys know nobody is okay? And nobody is good enough by keeping a law or a rule that doesn't make anybody 
good enough to get into heaven. Do you guys know that? We've all broken. Even if we just broke one law, we're guilty of all. The problem is we see a lot of people today, even within Christian churches, teaching if you just do this, then you can earn your way into heaven. That is a lie. Because we know the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Because he's the only one who ever kept the law. And that brings us to the cross, guys. Because as we consider the history of mankind, okay, man couldn't do it in the garden in a perfect environment. Adam bombed big time, right? And then we saw, man, we can't live according to our own conscience. To the point I'm going to get jealous and kill my own blood and my brother. We're blood. Okay? And then government, that definitely doesn't work. Promise, we can't keep a hold of it. Okay? We're going to fail in that. You know, and then the law comes and we can't keep that. And that's why God had to come. So as we consider the whole of Scripture and we study, we are diligent to study the Word of God to show ourselves approved to Him. We're not going to be ashamed because we're going to be able to look, hey, this is history. And God has spoken. And if we're rightly dividing his word, we see how we don't no longer live under these dispensations. We no longer live under the law, neighbor Judy, who's a Seventh-day Adventist. We have a neighbor. So my wife and I, we, we did Bible studies. We were in each other's homes. We prayed together. We loved. We served each other. I know where she went to church, and I know what they taught at that church. But there was a lot of grace given in those things. We would speak truths in the word. But one evening at one of the studies, it came to head where I just plainly asked her, do you think Sonny and I are going to be going to hell because we worship on Sunday instead of Saturday? Because you guys know the Seventh-day event is you've got to keep the Sabbath day holy. You have to go to church on Saturday. And she said, yes, I believe you guys are going to hell. Even though you love Jesus, put your faith in Jesus, that is not enough. That is scary, guys. That church is right here in Nina. Try to put ourselves in a place of keeping the commandments in the law and then our hope is salvation because of what we have done we've missed the gospel completely guys can't do that but because i've rightly divided the word of god you know what i was able to do i was able to ask judy some questions well judy if you think me and my wife worshiping on sunday is so bad it's breaking the law of god Okay, do you believe that we need to keep all the laws, regulations that God's given, all 613 that are in the Old Testament, Judy? Yes, I do. Judy, where do you go to church? Well, I go to Seventh-day Adventist Church there in Nina. Well, we live in Kakana. Don't you know to go farther than 100 yards on the Sabbath day on Saturday when you go to Nina? That's breaking the law. Judy, how many times have you gone to church on Saturday? 
That's a whole lot of lawlessness, Judy. And do you know, Judy, we're not allowed to kindle a fire on the Sabbath day? Judy, do you know what happens when you put a key into your ignition and you turn it? Kindling a fire. You broke the law again, Judy, on the Sabbath day. If we want to talk about lawlessness, we're both in trouble. You guys understand then why it's so good to rightly divide the word? Judy, we can't live in the Old Testament. God knew we couldn't do it. We have all of history showing man can't do it in all these different dispensations. That's why Jesus, God himself, had to come and do it for us. You guys get the beauty of the gospel. You guys get the beauty of us not having to be ashamed of the word of God because everything ultimately is pointing to what? It's Jesus. He's the only one who can save us. He is the remedy. He is the redeemer. He is the savior of the world, guys. That's why, brother and sister, our faith is so precious. That's why it's so important, brother and sister, we are studying the word of God that we're able to get it right. Because when we get it right, we can give it right to others. That we don't have to play goofy games with people and their goofy beliefs will have the answers. And the answers is always, it, it, it's always Jesus, isn't it? It always comes back to him. Now the cool thing about the Bible, it is history. And do you guys know that things even yet in the future, in God's eyes, are history. He sees it all together. So in wrapping up our time, we're going to carry on. Well, what happens next? Great, Jesus came. Okay, We are now in the next one, which we considered what Paul spoke about as being that dispensation of the gospel of grace, or the church age is what a lot of people will refer to this time. And this has been going on for 2,000 years. And how cool to be born at this time in history. Because we can look and see, hey, it was, it was Jesus. He's the only hope. He's the only way we could be saved. Period. So it's really neat when we consider the whole of history and what God is doing now. But we know that this time is going to come to an end. Okay? You guys here at, at Whiting get the gospel, right? I'd love to speak more to this dispensation, but I know you guys are in the word of God. I know Pastor Jim is preaching the gospel to you guys on a regular basis. It is it. It is the good news that we get to go share with the world. That's why we're called to go and make disciples, okay? We need to be going and sharing with people and even sharing with those who have some hard questions about the Bible. Oh, great. I have answers because I've rightly divided it. I don't need to be ashamed. Because really it is the power of God unto salvation is the gospel message. We get to share that truth with others. But you guys know the church age is going to come to an end? Okay, let's go to the next slide. There's something called the rapture that's going to take place. You guys don't know about the rapture. I hope you do here at Whiting. First Thessalonians chapter 4. You can check it out for yourselves. Pick it up in verse 13. It's one of the four things that the Apostle Paul said, do not ignore, be ignorant about. And you guys know how many people in the church today ignore the rapture of the church. And it's one of the four things we're told in the New Testament not to ignore. God is going to come. He's going to sound the trump of God. Jesus is going to come, and he's going to call us. Come up here. Okay? A lot of people love the three little words, I love you. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the three big words, I love, or come up here. Okay? I don't know about you guys. I'm looking forward 
for <laughs> Jesus to call us to be with him, okay? And when is this going to happen? We don't know. But we know that's going to happen during the church dispensation, this age. Because the church is not appointed to wrath, okay? Um, and after that takes place, I don't know if it immediately takes place, because the Bible doesn't actually tell us, but it seems like in chronological order of events, prophetically speaking, that's going to lead, lead up to a time which is referred to the Great Tribulation. That's the next dispensation, number seven, okay? And that's only seven years long, we're told in Scripture. And this happens for everyone who denies Christ. Have any of you guys written letters to your loved people? Family, maybe? Maybe some neighbors? That, hey, open if I disappear. That's what I have on my envelope in my special safe at home. Just in case I get raptured, guess what? I have a letter explaining to who's ever left behind what happened and why it's so important that they put their faith in Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people in this age who've heard the gospel who reject it. Okay? That's all that matters. Do we reject Christ or do we receive Christ? That's what matters right now more than anything. We are saved by grace. And I'm hoping you guys catching this, because all these things in the past, a person can't be saved by doing any of these things. Man can't save themselves. Okay, some people mark this dispensation as the church, as the dispensation of grace. Well, grace has always been it. Even Old Testament believers were saved by grace. Okay, we get to look back to the cross, right? We can see what Jesus has done, no, they were looking towards the cross. They were trusting in God for salvation. That's where their faith was. Because there are Old Testament saints, right? There are those in Hebrews chapter 11 who believed on the promises, what God had spoken, that he was mighty to save. They had trust in him and him alone, the one and true living God. So we get to look backwards. And then during this Great tribulation. Things are going to get crazy. Judgment is coming upon the planet for seven years. And during that time, can people get saved during the tribulation? Sure, don't we read in Revelation? Hey, who are these people? These were the martyrs who've come out of the tribulation. So there are believers, people who've come to faith during that time. So don't think that God has given up on mankind. No, he is still Savior, even in the midst of crazy judgment. But the cool thing about the tribulation, it does get crazy for seven years, but that comes to an end too. And at the end of that seven years, who comes to planet Earth? Jesus returns, okay? So that's the next thing that happens, uh, historically speaking, yet future for us. Jesus is going to come back, and we get to come back with him. And I don't know about you guys, because I look at everything going on in the world today, and I'm like, whoa, it is a mess, you know? I can't wait because Isaiah 9, 6 that we like to share during the Christmas season, unto us a son is given, you know, and it lists off mighty, or <clears throat> mighty Father, Prince of Peace, all these different attributes and titles for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But at the end of it, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. This isn't happening right now. But we know it's going to happen because we have rightly divided the word of God. And we know he's going to return, and he's going to rule and reign. And that brings us to our next dispensation, the millennial reign. 
You guys know that Jesus is going to be here for a thousand years. You and I are going to be here with him. We're going to be raptured, which is really cool to think about. I'm going to have hair again. I cannot wait. It's going to be great. But we're going to be with him. We're going to have our glorified bodies. And we're going to come back and we're going to serve with the Lord. We're going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years. And we're told during that thousand year reign of Christ, okay, things are going to be made again like the Garden of Eden. And we're also told if a person dies at 130, I think it says, that's considered a child, like a baby, you know. People are going to be living longer again like they did as we read back in Genesis there. Things are going to be really good. Jesus is going to be reigning from Jerusalem. Things are going to be placed in order. Things are going to be going well. You know what happens at the end of the millennium? This is a bummer because this is us. This is our human nature, sinful nature, rebellious nature. We are going to yet again deny Jesus. Satan, we're told there at the end of Revelation in 19, he's let out for a short time to deceive the nations. And again, at a thousand years, God has been here ruling and reigning. Are you going to choose to go with him, continue to be under his authority, the authority of a good king, king of kings? Or... Are you going to choose to believe the liar, your authority under him? Going to deceive people at the end. What happens after that? Uh, the great white throne judgment that you guys read about there in Revelation? Judged. All people who've ever lived will be judged. We won't be judged because we have the Bema Seat of Christ judgment, which is kind of cool. We actually get rewarded. Jesus paid our punishment. He took our judgments, all of that's on him. We just get goods. That's how good God is. And then what do we do with all those rewards? Oh, I got some crowns in this life. We cast them back at the feet of Jesus anyways because it's all him. That's the beauty of it. It is him. But at the end of it all, God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth that we read about, well, Old Testament prophets and also in Revelation 21 and 22. Make all things new. Look forward to that. And how long is that going to be? That's going to be for eternity. But I want, I want you guys to see is the importance of rightly dividing the word. But I don't want you, brother or sister, to be ashamed of God's word. So many times, well, look at this contradiction, you Christian. God says this, and this is being done. What's up with that? Have you rightly divided the word of God? Rightly divide his word, guys. Not ashamed. Might be a Saturday morning. You guys ever get that knock on the door? It's Saturday morning and you go and there's these people from the Watchtower Society. W's, Jehovah Witnesses, right? You guys know that they have to be knocking on your door? That's part of the work that they have to do to get into heaven? You know that they, the select few special ones in the Jehovah Witnesses, get to be the 144,000 that we read about in Revelation? Problem is, you can't be. First of all, Mr. Jehovah Witness, you're a Gentile. According to the Word of God, the 144,000 are all Jews. You haven't rightly divided the Word. Secondly, Mr. JW, the 144,000, that's yet future. 
That's during the Great Tribulation. That's not now. And I think about how many Christians have been duped by Jehovah Witnesses over the years because they have not rightly divided the word of God. Because, yeah, wouldn't any one of us say, yeah, I want to be in. I would love to be one of those special 144,000. That's what happens when we don't rightly divide the word of God. God said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. My word is truth. Seventeen, seventeen. sanctify them in the truth. That's why I love you guys here at Whiting. You're taking the word of God seriously. Diving in. And I would encourage you, I don't know you guys personally, if you're just a reader of God's word, start studying God's word. But better than that, let it study you. Two scriptures and I'll wrap up this morning. Go to Hebrews chapter 4 together. guys finding this helpful this morning being able to see big picture on how to rightly divide the word i'm a lot like pastor jim i love like the expository verse by verse through the scripture i don't do studies like this normally but it's one of those things we as christians we need to get the big picture okay what is god up to what is the big plan okay how do we rightly divide the word because we're told what in here hebrews chapter I want to take a look at verse 12 with you guys. It says, for the word of God, I hope you believe this, because it tells us it is living and it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, and joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now think about that for a second. Word of God that you guys are holding is alive, we're told. Great. <laughs> you and I to study the word of God as we're exhorted here in 2 Timothy 2.15. Study the word of God. But I want to leave you with this thought. Allow the word of God to study you. Because it it is alive, and it's able to even make a division between our soul and our spirit. That's something I need. And I believe that's something we all need. Because our soul is the, the mind. <laughs> we, we can know a whole lot about the Word of God. We can have biblical knowledge. We can even rightly divide the Word and get it. But if the Word never touches the heart, the spirit part, the eternal part, What's the point? You guys agree with me? We're not to be hearers only. Is the word actually touching our lives? Transforming our lives? Changing us in such a way that we actually are doers of the word of God? Not because I'm keeping the law, but because I get who my Savior is. Because of who he is and what he done, <laughs> has done, that makes me want to do. Pastor Landon, how do I know if the Word of God is studying me? I'm glad you guys asked. One last passage of Scripture. Let's go to Revelation chapter 10. You 
here you guys are, te- are studying through inductively the book of Revelation right now. That's pretty cool. Enjoy. It's the only book with a blessing for anyone who reads it or studies it, hears it. Take a look. Oh, let's just start in verse 1 of chapter 10. This is about Jesus. You guys know it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. A lot of people get all hyped about end times and look at all the things that are going to be happening during the tribulation. No, look at what Jesus, what is God choosing to reveal to us about himself? That's the cool part of Revelation. And I love because here's another revelation of Jesus. That I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was around his head. His face was like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. Ooh, that sounds like the description of Jesus from chapter 1. This is Jesus here, guys. Verse 2, he had a little book open in his hand. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he cried with a loud voice as when the lions roar. And when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. This would be so cool to see, right? Okay. Jump down to verse 8, this little book. What's this about? Why does Jesus have a little book? Well, he tells the apostle John here, verse 8, it says, Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and the earth. And so I went to the angel and I said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it. Well, that's weird. And it will make your, but what happens when he eats it? Hey, it's going to make your stomach bitter. But it also will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the book out of the angel's hand, and I ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. Guys, I believe this is what happens to us we are rightly dividing the word of God, and then we're allowing the word of God to rightly divide us. Is this the sweetest thing you've ever read in your life? God loves me this much that he was willing to give his own son? Demonstrates that love by dying on a cross? That's really, that's my punishment. <laughs> I should be paying for my sin. He was willing to go through all that torture, that shame for me. That's a great demonstration of love. Would you guys say that's kind of as sweet as honey? Oh, that's good. I like reading about that. I like reading about being a child of the king, about the blessings that I have being in Christ, the blessings of fellowship the privilege to be a part of his great commission, to have purpose in this life, to be able to go and share with others how good God is, the reality of the gospel. But if the word's dividing you, it's going to be bitter at the same time. We'll become bitter as we're taking it into our stomach because, man, God loves us. Anyone who calls on his name can be saved. What about those who won't believe? 
What about those who reject them? They're going to be eternally separated from him. They're going to be in hell for all time because of their rejection. That's bitter, isn't it? My neighbors who I pray for, they still walk in unbelief. I don't know if they're ever going to bow the knee. That's bitter. Our loved family members that we're praying for. Some of our prodigal children that we're praying for. Isn't that bitter? Guys, there's times over the years, and it still happens to this day, where I'm thinking on the Word of God. I'm enjoying the Word of God. I'm delighting in what He has declared. That He is good. That He is the Savior. That He is the solution to every problem we have. I have to pull over sometimes in my car because I begin to cry. In that reality, I know there are people walking on belief. In I would ask you guys, do you allow the word of God to go that deep to divide you? That you're moved in such a way that, hey, I'm going to be on my I have to be sharing this word. A lot of times in the church, guys, we think that it's going to be this method of doing ministry, program. That's how we're going to find success. It's God's way. God's word and share God's word. Privilege to have it today. Privilege to have a pastor who loves preaching. Guys, a privilege to have these groups getting together and studying the word of God together. I encourage all of you, if you're not doing that, do that together. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. Allow Him to speak to you in such a way that soul and spirit is being divided, touching our lives. Let me tell you what, guys, I don't want to waste my time. I'm sick of sermons. I don't know about you guys. I'm just sick of going through what I do. I purposely get up early on Sundays, and not just because I pray. <laughs> Whether it's a Bible study on Thursday morning or a Saturday morning with some guys, I want my heart prepared when I come before the Lord. Even if it's at home in my devotion time, am I ready to receive? I just don't want to hear. I just don't want another little fun nugget. Oh, that's so cool! Great. Cool is cool. Nothing wrong with cool. But am I receiving what God wants to speak? You guys know he's still alive? And he's still speaking. Nothing like it. Man's not going to live on bread alone, but every word that Living in exciting times. Because if you look at this time in history, it could be any day Jesus is coming back. I hear Pastor Jim's going to Israel tomorrow. Okay. You guys know that God's not done with Israel? They're back in the land. And really, Israel's been God's timepiece, prophetically speaking. That, hey, when you see the children of Israel, Israel will gather back in the land. Yeah, that's, that's the end. We're getting near the end of it all. And that's kind of exciting for you. We don't know if we got a day. We don't know if we got 10 years, 20 years. I don't know. I just want to encourage you guys. Let's finish well. Whatever God is up to, let's do it. Amen?
Amen. Let's pray together, and then we're going to close with worship. Father, I thank you for the privilege just to be with these brothers and sisters this morning. We're so thankful for your word. Pray that you give each and every one of us just a special grace from you to be able to study it rightly, to divide it the way you've intended it to be. More than anything, Lord, we want we want ears to hear what your spirit would be speaking to your that we are a part of your church. Pray, Lord, that we'd be able to hear clearly what you are saying to us individually in our lives and our relationship with you, but also <coughs> corporately. Local church here, but also as the church collectively, as we are really one. God, we want to be about your business, desire to finish well. So much to the blessing of your word. Have it, devour it, and share it with others. Help us to do that well, speaking the love to others. Yeah. And.